We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. No Jack Manuel again. He will be back soon, I promise. But in his replacement, Will Jackson. What's up, Will? How are we doing? What's up, guys? Will, sadly, we're talking about another loss right here. Nets lost to Philly. End of the road trip, 123-110. Before we break it down, you know, follow us on iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Dash Radio. But, Will, what went wrong in this one? 0 for 4 from the free throw line for Kuruks. Uh Russell missed 0 for 2. I mean, I think free throws are, like, one of the biggest things that you talk about. And then also turnovers. I mean, Russell had 7 in them. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, free throws, definitely. You know, another game that's missed 10 free throws, 19 and 29. And the turnovers at 15 obviously isn't a good amount. But they had they happened at bad times. You know, in that fourth quarter, the Nets were making runs. And it was a lot of careless turnovers. D'Lo just probably had one of his roughest games of the season. He just was off. You know, his jumper was off. His handling was off. He only was eight, uh, six of 19 from the field, one of five from three. So when, when your best player is not playing well and, you know, you're missing free throws and you're not doing the little things, and then Philadelphia, on the other hand, just started scorching from three. They kind of cooled off as the game progressed, but still shot 12 of 25. Yeah, six of 19. He started two of 13. I mean, just a rough game for him. Philadelphia didn't help that every single person was knocking down a three-pointer in that game. I mean, we talked about it a little bit in the DMs. Embiid made three. Bovon made one. What do you think about them hitting all those shots? I mean, it, you know, Embiid shooting like 29% of the season. The fact he hit three threes in the first quarter is just crazy. Bovon's second career three. And then to add to that, Mike Scott banked one off high glass. It wasn't even just like a regular banker. So Philly starts this game scorching, 38-23, but – Big props to Kenny for making the swap. Jared Allen was getting bodied. You know, Ed Davis wasn't really having much of an impact. He puts in Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Rondé probably had one of his best games of the season tonight. Yeah, Rondé's just the big ball of energy for this team. It seems that when he gets in, especially in these last couple games that he's been in, he just provides a huge spark, and this team just uh, gets going. But Jared Allen, you talked about him, only eight minutes. I think they all came in the first quarter. He did go two or three, but he just struggled getting the rebound, and uh, he struggles with boxing out against larger bigs. 
Yeah, he was just kind of getting manhandled in there, and I think his energy has been down lately. Just doesn't seem to have the same intensity. You know, probably the last really good game that we saw from him where he really provided that major spark was that Atlanta game where I think he got hard fouled by somebody and then he just went off. I don't know right now if it's a mental thing, it's a physical thing. I wouldn't be surprised if he is fatigued. We've kind of brought this up in the past. Just being such a smaller guy and battling centers all season long where he's pretty much getting outweighed anywhere from like 30 to 50 pounds. I think it's starting to take a toll on him. And who knows, it might benefit him to get benched and get the rest night. Yeah, do you think we see Ed Davis starting at some point? Ah, that's interesting. I possibly maybe in a playoff matchup if they were like, hey, you know, we're going against the Sixers. Jared Allen's getting killed for by Embiid, but Boban obviously still provided a, a monster inside too. So I think he'll still start because the Nets are really uh, invested in him. They want him to be the future center. So they're going to kind of throw him out into the fire and hope that he can kind of turn into something great. I thought it was interesting to start Rondé in the second half at center. You know, obviously the Nets didn't win this game, but what he does, he just provides such a mismatch for them uh, defensively where he's coming off the pick and roll. He's so quick, gets him in foul trouble. And defensively, obviously, he doesn't have the size, but you do appreciate the fight he brings. Yeah, he was able to uh, box out those larger bigs. He was able to box out Marjanovic. He was able to box out Embiid. I mean, he was just grabbing rebound after rebound. And, I mean, that's something that Allen can't provide right now. And uh, when he's doing that, you just have to let him play. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, obviously, the Nets still need to make the playoffs. But if they get in a playoff matchup, hey, are we going to go with Rondé a little bit at center? Because sometimes it feels like his best position might be at center because of the lack of spacing and the mismatch he causes. If he can fight and the rest of the Nets can help him out defensively. Yeah, he needs to get a little bit more consistent with the jumper. Yeah. I think that's something that he struggles with a lot, and that's probably one of the biggest flaws in this game right now. Uh, also probably going coast to coast a little too much. But uh, other than that, I think that he could he could uh, really help with some of the mismatches that Allen struggles against. What did you think about Karis LeVert? I felt like, you know, the confidence is starting to get back. His three ball, two of four, getting to the rim. Just looked like he had a little bit of swagger back. Yeah, I mean, we saw it against Portland, started to really get it going. And tonight, it just felt like he was finishing a lot more. I mean, I didn't want to say that it felt completely like it did in the beginning of the season, but it definitely felt like he was finishing. Yeah, it feels like he's... Closer than he's been, obviously, since the injury happened. I would probably put him at somewhere like 70 or 80% back. You know, the touch isn't quite there. You know, there's still a little bit of hesitation. But overall, it looks like he's more confident in attacking players and getting to the rim. And sometimes even when he misses the layups, it allows Ed Davis to grab the board and just put it back in. Yeah. Um, one question. What do you think about Shabazz getting 11 minutes tonight? You know, to be honest, uh, I'm not a huge Shabazz guy. I don't mind him on the contract. We do have him for. I felt like it was just kind of like D'Angelo was having a really rough game, so maybe throw Shabazz out there and see what he can do. He didn't really provide much of anything. He wasn't bad, but uh, he wasn't great either. Yeah, I think Kenny likes to switch it up a little bit when uh, the other team starts to go on a run, which I don't mind because it certainly worked in the Kings game and it worked at the beginning of this game. Yeah, but second quarter, really, the game changed, and that's around 20. I know I was DMing you, and I was like, hey, this is not looking good. And then all of a sudden, they went on a major run because of that bench unit. Yeah, I mean, I don't like what he did when there was about three minutes left when he put in Pinson and Graham because I felt like there was still a little bit of a chance. I think that he tries to change it up a little too much sometimes. But going back to the second quarter, I think Rondé just provides such a spark with that second unit. Um, it really works well for them. Yeah, he provides energy for the rest of the team, and it's contagious, and that's something we saw. Uh, Rodion's, you know, not a great game from him. Struggled. His three-point shot is back to being off again. Are you a little concerned about Rodion's? You know, I feel like he's a, a streaky kind of player now, uh, kind of getting that sense over the season. He struggled a little bit in Portland, and then he's struggling tonight. I hope he gets 
I hope he gets it back because the Nets are a much better team when he's hitting those and when he's able to drive to the rim and finish as well. Also, catching lobs from D'Lo is awesome. But, yeah, uh, yeah he's, uh, he's definitely struggling a little bit tonight. When he's knocking down the three, I think it just opens up his cutting so much more, too. And you mentioned the lobs from D'Angelo. And I think some of it's just being a young player. You know, inconsistencies from young guys is pretty pretty common. So hopefully next year he can kind of clean that up and he maybe can get going. But Joe Harris had a nice bounce-back game after kind of being on and off recently with his three-point shot. 8-12 from the field, 4-6 from three. What would you like from Joe for 22 points? Yeah, 22 points, 66% is amazing from him. You know, what I really like about him now is that he's starting to finish inside a lot more, which uh, really just adds another aspect to his game. Uh, 31 minutes, I mean, he just provides so much spacing on that floor, and it's really nice when he's hitting those shots. And the Nets were able to kind of set him a couple better screens probably. Also, some of it's Philadelphia's defense, and their big's not really respecting Joe and coming out to defend that three-point shot, but that's the kind of thing that can get him going. Now, on the defensive side, how do you think the Nets defended Philly? Did they do a solid job, or they could have done better, or was it just Philly knocking down tough shots? What is it, or mismatches? What are you thinking? Well, I think the second unit provided a lot um, better defense. Uh, Rondé, like we talked about, I think he did a better job defending some of their bigs. I think D'Angelo Russell struggled a little bit defensively. I think Kuruk struggled a little bit against larger bigs. Um, but other than that, I think it was just a rough game because Embiid is such a physical force that he – I think he had, what, 39, 40? Yeah, 39. He might have had 40, yeah. I mean, he just dominated. Look, you could tell from the start that he was looking to have a big game. Yeah, 39 points, 12 of 20, 3 of 4 from 3, 13 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 turnovers, 3 steals, 1 block, just full stat line for the big man. Yeah, I mean, him and Marjanovic just provide such a struggle for the Nets. I mean, you look at Boban, and he's 7-3, and he's hitting a three-pointer. And he's also just being able to just, like, lob it over Dinwiddie just in. I mean, he just provides such a mismatch for this team. Yeah, and, you know, the Nets have problems with regular seven-foot centers, not these enormous guys and the most talented big probably in the league in Joel Embiid. So I think the matchup here is just a problem for the Nets. I thought, like you mentioned, the second unit did a better job defending. Not only Ronde bringing energy, but I found overall they did a better job of just getting their hands in the passing lane. And, you know, Dudley does some of the small things out there too that we love. Yeah, I mean, Dudley, uh, we talk about him, I feel like, every episode now where he's just such a good leader on that court. He's able to use his mind to set screens and – have a be a better defender. Um, one thing I want to talk about that we talked about a little bit in the DMs is uh, Philly's an emotional team, and we had Simmons fell out. We had, I think, three technical shots this game. What did you think about that? Yeah, I mean, the Nets can be frustrating. I felt like it was at home, so Philly kind of had that bad stretch in the second quarter, but then the referees kind of reacted to the crowd a little bit. They started to get some of the home calls, which is fine, and that's typical home court advantage. But the emotion is definitely a factor where you can frustrate this Philly team. We saw it earlier in the season when the Nets blew them out. You know, they went up big on them, they frustrated them, and they didn't bring the energy. So it's something to definitely consider, but... I think personally, I still don't like seeing Philly in a, a playoff matchup because of Joel Embiid and even Boban. If we match up against Philadelphia, do you think that we could push them to six? Uh, they wouldn't be at the top of my list to push to six. I think it would be a possibility, but obviously D'Angelo Russell is going to have to play a lot better. You know, tonight was an outlier. He doesn't usually obviously play this <laughs> bad. So if they could get him to play at his consistent level or at the all-star level we've seen from him, I think they'd have a real shot to push to the six. But still Embiid... Embiid would require Kenny to come up with some amazing coaching scheme, and I think that might be an advantage for the Nets in a series against Philadelphia. Brett Brown has had his issues, and Kenny seemed to be able to adapt a little bit better. Yeah, D'Angelo also could uh, limit the turnovers. That'd be amazing. Back-to-back bad turnover games, too. Oh, my God. It was insane. Uh, 
he had one turnover that really stood out to me where he tried to make a no look one handed pass to a I think it was driving Joe Harris and it just yep. ended up being a turnover. And I mean that's just something that I guess maybe it's because he's young, maybe he's trying to be flashy, but that's just a stupid mistake that shouldn't have happened. Yeah, I think that was a bad read. You know, he doesn't need to necessarily make that pass. I felt like in that situation, it actually would have benefited him to just pull it from three. I know he was in shooting well and wasn't feeling it. But when Embiid didn't really uh, react to him at the line, he kind of followed Joe. I think that's just a bad read and a careless pass, you know, especially against a team like that. And there was a couple careless passes where the Nets were just trying to thread the needle when they didn't have to. Yeah, I mean, it was just something that I feel like can be controlled, but it just wasn't. Exactly. That's it. I mean, you control what you can control. And, you know, the other things, if you're not knocking down jumpers, you know, that's going to happen, but keep driving to the rim. So I think the turnovers area and the free throw shooting is what we talked about. It's just an area they need to clean up for this final stretch. Now, Will, how confident are you feeling about the Nets making the playoffs? Obviously, Detroit won tonight, Orlando lost. The Heat are in a tight one with uh, Dallas right now. What's your confidence level out percentage-wise? Oh, God. Um, yeah, it was really tough because – we play Boston, Milwaukee, and Toronto coming up next, which is not easy because those are three of the top four teams in the East right now. Um, I would probably put it at 55%. Just over, 50, just over 50% because we do hold that, uh, I think, seven seed now because Detroit won. And we have the tiebreaker over Detroit and Orlando. But I'm not super confident. Yeah, at least you're not, you're not as pessimistic as Jack usually is. He'd probably come in here and say something under 50%. I'm, I'm usually the optimistic one, so I'm going to go with uh, 65 to 70. I think the Nets will pick it up. Obviously, I think one thing, too, this is the end of a road trip. They finally get to go back home. Boston isn't playing amazing. Maybe they can catch a break against Milwaukee in one of those games. Maybe they'll rest somebody. The last two games of the season really stick out. I think against Indiana, that's a winnable game. You're going to have to come to play and beat them. And then obviously the game against Miami in the last night of the season might be for the playoffs. So I like the fact that the Nets can control if they make the playoffs. They don't have to worry about, hey, we need Detroit to lose two games. We need Orlando to lose three games or something like that. Obviously, it'd be great if the other teams lost. But at least the Nets have some control of what happens. Yeah, that'd be insane if that last game came down to who makes the playoffs. I, I, I wouldn't think, be surprised, to be honest. <laughs> I think something that benefits the Nets is I think I read something like we have four more games where our opponent is coming off of back-to-backs, which would definitely benefit us. I think um, Toronto might rest Kawhi. Milwaukee might start thinking about resting Giannis for the playoffs. Something like that could happen. And it's going to be hard because we're coming off of back-to-back in Milwaukee. But um, I definitely think that we have some winnable games coming up. Yeah, I think we do too. I think there's a there's an opportunity to win. And, you know, tonight wasn't amazing. But the game, the Nets put themselves in a situation where they could have won the game if they played better, if they didn't have the turnovers and they made their free throws. And D'Angelo Russell had, you know, an average game. They probably are losing this one at the wire or they're winning at the wire. Yeah, what gives me confidence is that these are things that you can practice a lot. And exactly. You can coach. And, like, these are things that you can work on in a short amount of time. And it's not something that we're going to have to improve with, like, the new players. It's not like we're just not hitting any threes. It's not like we're not hitting any shots. It's not like we're not playing good defense. You know, free throws are something that you can practice a lot in the gym. Um, Turnover is something that's just a mental thing. I mean, these are controllable things, and that's what gives me a little bit of confidence. And it's nice seeing Karis LeVert get that confidence. If he can keep ascending his game each game as we move forward, it's just, you know, adding a possible all-star caliber player back into the rotation, of he, especially if he can get that three-point shot light, uh, back together. Because tonight I felt like he looked the most confident and the shot probably looked the smoothest. Yeah, he went 2-4 from uh, 3 tonight, which uh, is big for him because if he can get that going down, I mean, he's a completely different player at this point. 
Especially with, you know, his his handles starting to come back together too. Now, obviously, as he plays better, the refs are going to give him a little bit more respect and getting back to the line, which he was doing a lot early in the year. But, Will, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, I mean, Boston is, feels like a must-win game at this point. Especially at home. You know, they took care of Boston last time they faced him at home. It's going to be a big opportunity to get a win and kind of keep solidifying themselves. So you said the magic number for the Nets was six? Yep, six. Six. So, you know, obviously – they have seven games yet. Yeah, no, six games left. So obviously they need to win a majority of these games. Tough opponents, but in a positive perspective, it does set them up for a good playoff series if they're able to get in and they beat some really good competition. Hopefully. I heard uh, Boston is going to be a sold-out crowd, so if you're there, we need you to be loud. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, Boston usually comes to those games, so the Nets fans obviously need to get loud. Uh, will, always a pleasure talking Nets. And like I said, Jack will be back soon. I know a lot of people are missing that Australian accent. And as always, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Check us out iTunes, Black Talk Radio, OGGBasketball.com, NetsRepug.com, and YouTube. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.